Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a therapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to my podcast, named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Happy early Valentine's Day, Sue. Ah, thanks for the reminder, Andrew. Uh, I tend to think of it mostly as a Hallmark holiday, but it's also an opportunity to express love. So I like to focus on that in my life. I heard that. I, I heard that you really like to focus on love as part of celebrating Valentine's Day. Is that true? It is true. I mean, I try to remember that love is really the answer to everything. And Valentine's Day is a good example of that. So why not? That's beautiful. But sappy. I love uh, that though. I love it. You know, I, I think that we all have some kind of blueprint with Valentine's Day. And, and I was wondering, like, how, how did you celebrate Valentine's Day when you were growing up? Probably very similar to the way you did, but we had little um, pieces of paper, either pink or red, you folded it, and then um, you'd have like a little mailbox on your desk at school, and then everybody would go around and I would make, my mom would never go out to the store and, and buy the actual like pre, you know, run Valentine's that had the candies sometime attached to it. So I would hand make all my Valentine's and everybody in class had to get one. And, um, you know, just we, then we, we were allowed to go around and deliver them to all our classmates. Wow. So that was really quite a production. It was a big production. And I think like when I got older in high school, you could buy carnations and give those to people. And then it was like a fundraiser for our class. But mm. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings actually about Valentine's Day because on the one hand, I think our teachers meant well, or my teachers meant well when, when they asked us all to give a Valentine to each person in the class. But there's also danger of being excluded and being mm. left out. And I think as grown-ups, it's fraught with this feeling of either being included or excluded, right? Sure, so, of course, so, yeah. So how, how do you celebrate Valentine's Day nowadays? I actually, it's interesting because um, our listeners aren't gonna see this, but I just bought these candies for my kids and um, I'm sending them off to them. And that's what I do, I just send, things to my children. But as an adult with my adult partner, we don't celebrate it. We don't have a, anything special planned or anything like that to look forward to. Um, not because we just don't like it or it's banned. It's just, it's just another day, really. Right. I mean, in essence, it is just another day. And yet, I really like that you acknowledge your kids because I've known them since they were born and they're now in their mid twenties and they're great kids or great young adults. And, and so it is a moment to just acknowledge how terrific they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I do decorate my house. I have to say I do it. Um, 
have my token hearts that I put up around the house. And I think it's just a good reminder, um, even regardless of us talking about it in our, in, you know, with my partner, um, that it's just, there's hearts all of a sudden that show up. So I mean, I'm sure he knows where, who puts them up, but, but they're just around during this month of February. Doesn't St. Valentine put them up? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I, I have a similar kind of approach. I mean, I'm, I'm not um, abundant with hearts and, and flowers and that kind of thing, but I do like to acknowledge my husband. And I also acknowledge my aunt who's aging and who has been an inspiration for my entire life. And so whether it's just a little bit of chocolate that they enjoy or, or, or really spending time together, I, I think that's what, what really counts the most, right? Yeah. But it's, but I also want to recognize that, you know, we talk about, um, you know, issues with sex and love on this podcast. And there are a lot of lonely people, like we talked about in December. And there's a lot of people who struggle with what, what it means to give and receive love. And I, I'm one of them for sure. I always have been. I think I've come a long way, but still have a long way to go. And, and so, that it's it's tricky because I think it can be a painful holiday and it can also be a reparative holiday. So hopefully through our podcast today, we'll, we'll set the tone for, for both. Yeah, no, I understand that. And I think you're right when you say that it's tricky because society puts pressure on us, you know? I think during COVID, it may have, made it a little easier for people who have a hard time around this holiday because you can't really even go out and you're not really doing anything different sitting home mm -hmm. alone thinking like oh everybody who's on a date tonight is out at a really fancy restaurant or something but um which just isn't true it's not true it's not true at all we're in uh, our slippers eating frozen food right <laughs> yeah. but but i think what what's interesting is that there is history behind this particular uh, holiday. And, and do you happen to know the origins of, of Valentine's Day? I thought it was something to do with St. Valentine, whoever that was, but yeah, not, not really. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what the actual uh, origins are. Yeah, well, I, I did a little research, maybe five minutes or so okay. on, on Wikipedia. And, and this is what it told me. It says, given their similarities, it's been suggested that Valentine's Day has origins in the Roman festival of Lupercalia held in mid-February. The festival which celebrated the coming of spring included fertility rites and the pairing off of women with men by lottery. Huh. At the end of the fifth century, the Pope forbid the celebration of Lupercalia and is sometimes attributed with replacing it with St. Valentine's Day but this is the important part, but the true origin of Val Valentine's Day is vague at best. It did not come to be celebrated as a day of romance until about the 14th century. Well, no, it's it, a lot of these um, rituals do come out of like pagan celebrations, like the celebration of spring and fertility. That's kind of where Easter came from. So it looks like there's a lot of similarities between um those two for sure I've never heard of that story yeah me either and I, yeah. I really didn't know any of it 
but but it gives a little more context of of the possible origins although nobody nobody seems to know for sure nobody knows nobody knows it's still a mystery well that's good i'm glad it's a mystery yeah it kind of makes it more more mysterious <laughs> exactly <laughs> so let's shift gears a bit i thought about what we could focus on today and I thought about the book, The Five Love Languages. Yeah, I'm very familiar. Yeah, I, I, I read it many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is simple in some ways, but it seems so damn accurate. And I started quoting it to, to clients, which is always interesting when I start to quote a book. But, um, you know, because we're, we're approaching Valentine's Day, I thought we would talk about love and specifically taking a look at, at the book uh, by Gary Chapman. So it sounds like you're familiar with these five love languages, Sue, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, they do come up a lot for me. I don't, I don't know why more recently, maybe it is because Valentine's Day is coming and um, other people have been referencing this too. So um, it's just, it's interesting to hear that um, this was on your agenda as well, because I took this quiz many, many years ago. And when you proposed we talk about this, I was like, oh, I know what I am. And then I redid the quiz because I hadn't done it in forever and I was shocked. So I don't know if I changed um, from where I thought I was, but it's interesting. Well, maybe you're evolving. Oh, maybe that's your it. love language is, is expanding or shifting or taking new shapes. So this is what I think is, is so universal about this book, okay? First of all, once we know our primary love languages, we actually build awareness related to what helps us feel lovable and desirable. So, so I'll just say that again. So if we're able to identify our, our main love languages, that's what really is what helps us in our heart of hearts feel more loved and more desired, right? So that's, that's the first principle. Uh, the second thing is that unconsciously, we actually try to give our partners what we really want. So if, if our love language, my top love language is quality time, for instance. And so without even trying, I, I, I end up giving my partner quality time thinking that's, that's what he wants, right? That, right. that's going Reflecting to really yourself right exactly but it's it's an unconscious kind of automatic way of expressing oneself but it actually backfires a little bit because that's not necessarily what the other person wants right and we'll, we'll get to that so the next thing is that if we find out what our partner's love language or love languages are we can do our very best to try and give our, how can I put this, to speak those languages, to become fluent in those languages as we reach out and, and try and understand, oh, so um, they like words of affirmation, right? That may not be the most fluent thing or the most automatic thing for me to do, mm -hmm. but I can learn, oh, words of affirmation helps them feel desirable and lovable. So isn't it, doesn't it behoove me to be able to 
muster up some words of affirmation from time to time, maybe a little bit more than I would naturally, right? Right, yeah. And then the last piece is that we usually attract people into our lives who have complementary love languages. It's rare that we're going to connect with somebody long-term who has the same love languages. Sometimes there's some overlap, but generally it's not going to be the same. That's part of what magically brings us together. <laughs> That's the magic. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about those things, Sue? Any, any thoughts or ideas? Well, so you're trying to say that we actually try to give to our partners what we really want for ourselves. So like we're reflecting back, um, hoping that maybe they'll catch on unconsciously. Um, but that's sort of like the dog chasing its own tail, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the, the what we're trying to do, and this is kind of the goal of, of good therapy, in my opinion, is we're trying to make the unconscious conscious. Right. So what yeah. we do automatically and what we do um, without thinking about it unintentionally, that's more the unconscious behavior. Right. But but if we're able to talk about it, if we're able to, in this case, read about it, name it, understand it and, and eventually talk about it with our partners, then there's an opportunity to make that unconscious tendency more conscious and therefore uh, offer more opportunities actually for connection and intimacy. Yeah, it sounds like a good way to practice awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the awareness is is foundational and, and it also takes a particular kind of, of compassion, uh, a particular kind of uh, willingness to really learn our partner's language that it it's it's a gift to our partner, right? To, to understand what their language is and then to take it upon ourselves to say, huh, I, I think I need to learn this. I, need, I think I need to be able to express this and, and show this to them um, in order for them to feel more connected to us actually. Right. So do you think that this shows up for people in like, healthy relationships or do you think people need to take this test or quiz when they feel like there's something off that's a great question i, I think it's useful either way mm -hmm. right if, if a couple is having difficulties they can learn through this this could be a, a new tool i actually think it's such an easy quiz i mean it takes like five minutes that it's it's that it can open up a conversation and if if couples are able to have more honest conversations about these kinds of things that often aren't talked about it, it's really an opportunity for for closeness and so whether a, a couple's in trouble or whether a couple is maybe just feeling a little bit flat or like they could use a little bit more um what i call deeper contact uh, beyond just the everyday companionship. Um, this is one way of, of, of opening the door. Sure. And um, like you said earlier, I think even if you're not in a relationship, it's kind of a neat exercise to do just for your own self. Because maybe you may not have been aware that, oh, you know what? I really, really do like receiving gifts. And that does make me feel good. Or, yeah, that's my least 
one on my list, but um, I think even, yeah, if you're not in a, in a relationship, it's just a helpful tool to know. For sure, because it's not only for romantic relationships, actually, it's, it's really for the awareness of what helps people feel more loved, right? right. right. Yeah. So it, it's across the board. Let's back up for a moment because not all of our listeners have read the book. Right. And I, if I could put up a something on the whiteboard right now, I, I would have the actual descriptions of the five love languages. But let me just go over them really quickly. Uh, the first one, actually, I'll go down my personal list, okay. meaning meaning what rated highest to lowest. Um, I'm giving away my my love languages, so bear with me. Um, my top love language is quality time. And under quality time, it's really about full undivided attention, right? So it's about somebody really being there without distractions, without um, screens, without anything getting in the way. And, and that really touches my heart when somebody's able to truly be with me in a, in a, in a very undivided uh, attention kind of way. The second love language for me is actually receiving gifts, which on the surface sounds like, I don't know, Christmas or something that I'm, I, I want gifts in order to feel loved. It's not so much material gifts. Um, this isn't about materialism per se. Uh, the receiver of gifts thrives on, on the love, on the thoughtfulness and on the effort behind a gift. And a gift could be anything. For me, time is a gift. Right. And when somebody reaches out to me and says, I, I want to go hiking with you, or I want to just hang out and have a picnic together, that touches me because I'm often the planner. And mm -hmm. so that, that idea of receiving the gift of, of time is, is super important to me. So it's, it's, you know, it's more than just, uh, you know, getting a bunch of gifts under the tree. Uh, the next the next one is acts of service and acts of service can be anything from um, vacuuming the floor to going to Trader Joe's to um, to getting the car washed and again because I'm very scheduled in my life as I know you are as well Sue mm -hmm. when somebody does something of that nature an act of service and anticipate something, um, it, it touches me really deeply because I feel less burdened. Right. Right. I feel like yes. I can breathe. <laughs> you, you get that one. That's my number one. Oh, wow. Wow. We'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get it. Then interestingly enough, words of affirmation is the fourth language and physical touch is the fifth language. And I won't go into the details because I think they're fairly self-explanatory. Yeah. But what's interesting for me about those coming out at the bottom is because those were things that were not part of my childhood. Words of affirmation and physical touch were unfortunately few and far between. Right. And so it's just not my language, but it is my partner's language. So there you go. I mean, I'll share mine with you. Yeah, please. Um, so I really thought, like I, I was quality time 
that's what I thought hundred percent. Cause I love to plan things and love to escape. Like those are my escape times, like my fantasy times or spending time alone with someone and, and really engaging. But that ended up being third. My top one's acts, acts of service at 40%, um, which I'm so lacking getting right now in the relationship. Um, and, and it's just, I was so happy that they came in on top because it really opened the door for us to be able to have this conversation about, I awesome. really need you to step it up. And like, this is, this speaks to me. It speaks to my heart. It means so much to me when you can do these things. Yeah. So um so I was actually pleased that I came out up on top. And then mm. words of affirmation are very important to me too. Mm. Um, that was the second quality time. They're all tied, like words of affirmation and quality time. And then physical touch and receiving gifts are the bottom two. But yeah, I looked at receiving gifts as like getting things. I don't really care about getting things. But when you put it the way that you said about people going out of their way to bring you something. Um, it's them thinking about you when you're not around. That's kind of what that shows, you know, and that makes much more sense. Of course, we all want that because mm -hmm. um, that's a warm and fuzzy feeling, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll see what my partner ends up with. He hasn't done it yet. So I'm curious <laughs> what well, those compliment things are and uh how that's going to turn out. Well, keep me posted because chances are, if nothing else, it, it opens up a, a meaningful conversation. And something to just say about this is this is not a scientific or psychologically uh, evidence-based kind of quiz, but it is a way to start to look at what really touches us. Yeah, and that we're all different and that there's gray areas between all of these, obviously. I mean, you've touched on a few things and it's not just only access service or quality time. There's, there's, there's different levels of different things. Exactly. And, and all of the love languages have energy and have meaning behind them. So what we're talking about is what seems to rise to the top in terms of the, the the depth of how it impacts us and and that's what we're playing with is is huh it's, it's we have valentine's day coming up and and how can we build more awareness around what we really feel touched by or moved by and sometimes i don't know about you sue but before i did this quiz many years ago I never really thought of it this way. I actually thought that I would come up more uh, higher around physical touch and words of affirmation. And they came out at the bottom. And the reason being is that they just weren't a focal point of my upbringing, which is fine. It's, but it was like, ooh, that, that's a, kind of an interesting um, new awareness and, and a way of looking at things. And ultimately we're talking about love right and isn't it isn't it our this is the big word but isn't it our responsibility to find out how our partner feels most loved sure i mean this is a great opportunity and i think embracing just 
the Valentine's Day holiday, like let's do that quiz on Valentine's Day with your loved one and for yourself and and take the opportunity to explain to him or her how you want to be loved and embrace how they want to be loved. Exactly. And and we will definitely put the website in the notes for this podcast. And and what I also recognize is that the five love languages are like a, a springboard for learning about ourselves and learning about our partners and our and and even if you don't have a partner, don't worry about it. Know that this is information and awareness that you can carry with you for the rest of your life. Not to take it too, you know, not to be too stuck on on what's what, right? Right. Not yeah, get... you don't need to take it too literally. Exactly. But... But yeah, read into it a little bit and, and it helps you figure out what feels good. And then, like you said, like you were surprised that physical touch wasn't a part. It wasn't really a part of mine either. And I don't really like being touched, even though I, I love nice hugs, but I don't right. like when people come up behind me. It like just doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel good at all. And um, it's kind of off-putting a little bit. So it goes back to, oh yeah, maybe as a kid, I wasn't ever really touched or you know given that type of care so that makes sense and like you said that's okay you know that it's not only it's not only okay it 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 actually helps you establish boundaries and i i'm the same way if i'm relaxed i can receive touch much easier if i'm stressed out mm -mm, it just doesn't feel good Right. And so it's almost like inside of me, there's like a green light, yellow light, red light. And I, I'm with you. It, it has the circumstances, the conditions need to be a certain way. But but going back just before we move away from this, I, I want to say that at one time I, I was very, how can I say this simply? I was very narcissistic about what I wanted and how I wanted it and when I wanted it. And, and that, that's entitlement. That's, you know, no, it's that idea of, it it is rigid. And, and so part of what has happened to me through the years is this possibility that, that the rigidity doesn't have to be so intense, that there can be more flexibility and that there can be more vision of, oh, there's someone on the other side there who has his own um, desires. And it's not just all about me. And I think that's what opened my eyes partially. I mean, I've been working on this for many, many years, but I think the the five love languages also help us get out of our own way, really. Yeah, that's great. I like that you put it that way. And I like that you can work on these things too. Like mine changed over the years, but even like the touch thing for me was so in my way for a long time that I would just go get massages just to help me allow people allow that touch in a therapeutic way to um, work easily through, you know, those issues that I would have with touch. So there's ways to overcome the things that you can see that you may be lacking and you can work on it. For sure. And, and just to piggyback on that, I, I think when we work on ourselves, when we're conscious beings that 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 want to learn and grow, there there's the opportunity to work on these 
issues, the five love languages, wherever we go. So it's not necessarily with a romantic partner. It could be with your kids. It could be with my aunt. It could be with friends, with you and I. Um, and and so it's it's something that can be carried and can be portable uh, no matter what. Yeah, that's great. I mean, life is always throwing opportunities at us to try out new ways of reacting to different circumstances. Exactly, exactly. So as we often talk about on our podcast, we are biologically wired for connection and we're biologically wired for love. And I just want to remind our listening audience that this is not just about one day out of the year, right? This is this is 24-7-365. And it's it's really about being human, right? We all have longings for feeling worthy, right? And and feeling loved, feeling desired, um, feeling a sense of of meaningful connection. And so I, I just want to wind down our podcast by reminding all of you that that there's something vulnerable about all of this, right? It's, it's kind of a fun quiz, but but it's also a little vulnerable and a little raw because we're, we're talking about what it takes to feel a, a sense of true love, not to sound completely corny, but 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 self-love, uh, self-compassion, self-acceptance, right? And then loving others, compassion for others, understanding and accepting others. And, and that's what we're really talking about. So I, I hope that that everyone can have some nuggets of, of wisdom maybe to carry with them on, on this particular Valentine's Day. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, sharing this conversation with you, Sue. It's, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity, Andrew. I really appreciate the quality time that we have together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm feeling like a bullseye right in the heart right now. Cupid's coming at you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All Thanks, right. Andrew. You're welcome. Talk soon. Thanks for listening today. It was fantastic sharing this time with my colleague and friend, Sue Merlino, and discussing this really vital topic. If you're so inclined, please give us a five-star rating, be sure to subscribe, and share my podcast with those who may benefit. I look forward to you joining us the next time, and don't forget to stay connected.